Ladies and gentlemen, at this moment we have more talent in the NXT Performance Center than ever before. So I've decided to give eight of those talent an opportunity that haven't had an opportunity on NXT TV before. It will be a single elimination tournament and it will be called the NXT Breakout Tournament. The winner of that tournament, which will start next week, will get to have a championship match of their choosing. And the eight competitors that you will see compete in this tournament are Jordan Miles, Boa, Cameron Grimes, Isaiah Swerve Scott, Dexter Loomis, Bronson Reed, Angel Garza, and Joaquin Wilde. Best of luck to all the NXT Breakout Tournament competitors. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the main event of the evening. The following contest, scheduled for one fall, for one fall, one fall to a finish. Welcome back to Half K One Fall, the episodic. Well, it's actually not an episodic show anymore. <laughs> it's more of a summary slash analysis of one-time events in WWE history. So that can span from wrestling events or specials. We've previously covered the FCW story, which was a special, but we plan to cover other one-time wrestling events like the Cruiserweight Classic and WWE Evolution. I am your boy, Nando, joined by... Ooh, man. Ah, do we need one fall names? I could be a... <laughs> what's, a what's a good ref? Oh, that's a good uh, one. Me like, yeah, uh, let's sit on that. Your boy... Larry, aka L Dog. <laughs> yep, for now. <laughs> I, 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 I promise you, listeners. Before the end of this episode, we'll have one fall aliases. That's a good one. Should I pick a ring announcer and you pick a referee? Ooh, <laughs> ah, man, I like that. Uh. <laughs> Yep, I'm down. All right. All right. I'll try soon, to, as soon as one hits me. I'll try to think of one by the end of the recording. <laughs> cool. So yes, Ray this <laughs> So this is our brand new series. This is literally only episode 2 where as I mentioned at the top of the hour, yes. <laughs> that uh yeah, we wanted to kind of explore a different series where this one is more more open discussion and not really a formal review. It's more of a we kind of put our overall thoughts from the competitive and you know wrestling side on your end and then on my end more of the production side similar to what we've done with the nxt retro review podcast but this one is more just focusing on one-off specials that i mentioned earlier and yeah this on this episode i kind of wanted to see if we uh we wanted to cover the one year anniversary of the nxt breakout tournament literally happened around this time frame but since it didn't really happen as one singular event similar to the um 
Cruiserweight Classic and the Mae Young Classic. It actually spanned from various episodes of NXT, but it didn't have its own standalone series similar to those uh, tournaments, which puts it in a very Mm -hmm. unique situation. It's I guess it's kind of similar to the old King of the Ring when uh, they would do the tournament matches on WWE Raw and Superstars. Correct. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that's probably the closest thing. Yeah, so it didn't really have like its own individual series compared to um, the classic, and I, I guess the classic series as they called them. But yeah, we kind of wanted to go through that since that tournament happened last year around this time where it started in late June and ended in mid-August. So what they actually did is very similar since there was only eight competitors. They just did roughly one match on every episode of NXT TV. But uh, yeah, we're going to try to cover them in order in case if you wanted to watch them for yourself, because yeah, I tried to look for it on the network as like a standalone collection, but I guess considering the history of how the tournament went down, I guess they're not looking to revise that series anytime soon, but we'll definitely cover that uh, towards the end of the podcast. But yeah, I guess overall, like before we before we kind of compare to where they started and where they are now, um, I kind of wanted to get your impressions on each of the eight guys before. And I guess putting your mindset back in the uh, the time frame a year ago of uh, of these eight guys, we can go in order. I, I just have them in alphabetical order here. So first we have Angel Garza. So what was your initial impressions of uh, Mr. Garza when you first saw him on uh, on the breakout tournament last year? I heard the name. I didn't know who he was. Mm-hmm. So I looked him up. Yeah. And then when I looked him up and I saw the family that he was a part of, I was like, oh, dope. I'm with that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So then like my... I didn't really look up none of his matches or anything like that. I just wanted to see who he was in regards to his name. So just off of that, I figured that he was going to be good since he already had came from a long lineage of, you know, like kind of great wrestlers. So I felt like he held up good to the family name to where like he's solid in the ropes. So that's dope. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely familiar with just one family member with uh, Hector Garza from his TNA run. And yeah, Garza had a had a bunch of good matches in TNA and I remember I really remember him mostly from the battle royales that TNA used to have a lot and yeah like he always really stood out from the early early days of the X division so I I knew uh, kind of similar to what you said like knowing that uh Angel was part of the same heritage that like I was like oh, okay this guy's definitely coming from like an established legacy you know exactly Cool. So next we have Boa. And yeah, I think from all the eight guys, I think he's definitely the one I didn't know anything about going into the tournament originally. And it was uh it was a good it was a good thing to kind of see uh see the profiles that they kind of show later on to kind of get me more familiarized with him. But yeah, I, I definitely did didn't hear about him uh before the tournament has started. You know, I could have swore I seen Boa before like this tournament like uh, on a couple episodes of nxt or something mm. i've seen that dude before yeah and i was i remember being like oh it's one of those pc guys cool yeah so then like they threw him in there so i thought that was really good for the different type of exposure mm-hmm. but not so much on who they put him against first yeah i i also don't know if he's technically the first male signed 
uh, the first Chinese male signed superstar. Uh, I know he's. I think he is that guy. Okay, yeah, because I I couldn't remember yeah. if because uh, I know definitely Zia Lee is the first female one, but I wasn't quite sure if he was the first male uh, Chinese signed superstar. I think so. Yeah, so I think he been on like in the PC and stuff for a while, mm-hmm. dude. So I think after he got signed, they did it like the photo op and stuff with Triple H. Oh, you're right. Yeah, you yeah. seen him on NXT a couple of times. And then kind of nothing. Mm-hmm. But I think he had a different name. Mm. And then he kind of popped up again as Boa. And then it was like, oh, okay, let's throw him in this in this tournament too. No, I think you're right. Yeah, I think. Yeah, because I definitely remember they hyped the first signing uh, before this. But yeah, I wasn't sure. And you're probably right. He probably did go under a different name. I mean, either that's him or there's another dude that just faded off the face of the earth. Yeah, because I know... Ho-Ho Lin was uh, brought in for the Cruiserweight Classic, but he wasn't signed at, at that at that time anyway. Uh, but I, Correct. But I, I think, yeah, Boa probably was signed officially before he was in. Um, and then Ho-Ho Lin got signed after the Cruiserweight Classic. I think so, too. Uh, and then next we have Bronson Reed. Uh, at this point, he did not have any of his monikers other than Ozilla, I think, uh, just because he's repping the Aussies with uh, the Iconics. But kind of same thing. I I also remember hearing the indie name of uh, Jonah Rock. But yep. um, I, I, you know, same thing. I didn't really follow him on the indie circuit, but I, I definitely heard of the name heard of the name once they signed him to the um the the performance center but yeah i haven't really followed his work before that i i i went backwards with him too like when i saw when he first got signed on whatever crop of people he came with yeah i saw that they signed jonah rock so i was like oh dope well, let me see who this guy is so i went back and looked at some of the stuff i was like oh he's cool he's like a He's a little wide guy mm-hmm. that moves around really, really well. So I, I thought he was cool and a nice addition to it. So he he brings a, a different flair to it because he's Australian, mm-hmm. but he's also like Polynesian. Oh, yeah, yeah. I forget. I forgot about that part. Yeah. yeah. So like he he checks a lot of, of different boxes. So he's he's really good for the exposure. Yeah, they uh they. They did a good job with, I think, I mean, we'll, we'll definitely go down the rest of the line here, but kind of like how you said, he brought a different flavor to the um, the eight competitors and provided really good matchups as well, because from from afterwards, when I remember hearing the hype about um, Jonah Rock was that, yeah, he's this super heavyweight, but he's kind of like similar to, um, to Keith Lee, where he's like a, a bigger guy who can be pretty agile. So I, def- I definitely wanted to see how he matched up with the, the other participants in the tournament. Next, we have Cameron Grimes. I'm trying to remember his name from TNA slash. Yeah, I think he's Trevor Lee. Yeah, I know that. I don't. I don't. I don't remember his name from from TNA or Impact or anything like that. But I remember him from like um, what is that like PWG is Trevor Lee. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah. I remember seeing just this was definitely the era of uh, TNA slash Impact that I didn't follow as much, but. When I watched it, when I watched it from time to time, I I do remember seeing his face and uh, seeing him in some of the X Division matches. But kind of the same point, I, I I didn't follow TNA Impact at that point as much, where I didn't really know his uh, his his match style or just his his greatest hits, so to speak. But I I definitely had seen at least some of his 
of his work to be familiar with him when they uh when they signed him and then yeah when when i first saw him during his entrance in this tournament but yeah from what i remember he was he was a solid hand and uh yeah we'll definitely get to him later on i think he provided also a good mix and like a different look for sure you know yeah trevor lee is dope he held dope um I, i watched some of his stuff from like pwg and stuff like that so i i i seen him a bunch of times wrestling a bunch of these guys actually oh yeah yeah so i was familiar with his work and i was actually really excited to see him to get this like opportunity in this tech kind of tournament like i i, I like trevor lee a lot yeah because I, I i definitely know that he was x division champion and everything so i would imagine he was mm. probably getting a bunch of championships in the uh in the indies as well you know yeah no he's 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 solid i like that guy yeah he's a good dude and then we have uh Dexter Loomis and from what I remember I also remember seeing him in a bunch of kind of similar to what you brought up with Boa earlier that I definitely remember seeing him in a bunch of like dark matches is just like a different different name but I can't think of the name at, at that point but I remember seeing him on NXT before where he was just uh you know just enhancement talent at that point mm-hmm. uh losing to probably some of the mid carters or the the top guys in NXT he was a he was a TNA guy he like won that gut that TNA gut check thing okay and then uh and then he was in OVW when they moved to um when OVW was doing a TNA's enhancement or whatever and then i think he started like this whole like um what is this? His kind of like American Psycho type of type of deal mm-hmm. in in Impact coming back, and he changed his name to Samuel Shaw. Right, that's the name I remember now. Now, as soon as you said, yeah, as soon as you said TNA, that name came to my head again, and I I totally forgot that was the same dude. <laughs> yeah, so he was like, he's been doing this kind of like weirdo boy thing for a while, so it's it's about time that you know people got some eyes on him. I like him. He's weird. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, from uh, we'll we'll get to his part, but definitely he adds the probably the most character out of all eight where he's mm-hmm. de- he's definitely in gimmick the most out of uh, the other guys. But yeah, we'll definitely cover him once we get to his match. And then we have uh, Swerve Scott. What was his name again on, on the indie? <laughs> uh, Shane Strickland. Shane Strickland. Yeah, that's another name I, I remember yeah. hearing a lot. Mm-hmm. Shane Strickland is dope, man. He was I liked him when he was Shane Strickland. Shane Strickland is probably like the best way to describe Shane Strickland for me mentally is like Shane Strickland is the wrestler I would have wanted to be like. Mm. Like I I really dig his style to where it's like he's just hella smooth at what he does. He he can fly and all that kind of stuff, but it's not like rooted in being the most spectacular like flipper and then like that. But it's just he the way that he move around in the ring is very smooth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean we we've gotten a taste of it and we'll we'll cover that uh from our experience at worlds collide but yeah just Mm -hmm. kind of the same point where i i knew of the name again like i think this was why i was so excited to cover this tournament because uh i've heard all these names either from yeah tna or from the indies but i I never got to follow their body of work at that Mm. point yeah shane strickland spent some time in the norcal scene Mm -hmm. he used to team with uh Young Lion dude, uh Carl Fredericks. Oh, right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they were a team. Oh, okay. 
Yeah, I remember him. So it's pretty dope to see like the different directions that they <laughs> went because Carl Fredericks is like really starting to get noticed as as a, a up and coming young lion too. Yeah. Uh, what what's the other guy that's currently on NXT that we've also seen? Jake Atlas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jake Atlas. Yeah, because those go. that was that crop of uh, new talent that I remember seeing when we went to all these APW shows. Was yeah, Jake Atlas. Yep. Uh, Carl Fredericks. And just that new that new wave of talent. That's that's what I remember. Yeah, like they're their own like kind of class all in themselves. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, next we have Joaquin Wild. And yeah, I'm also familiar with him from his TNA run as DJ Z. Me too. <laughs> oh, ooh, I, I I remember him even before he was doing the GJ Z thing when he was just Zima Ion. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that one too. Yeah, I I like him. I always liked him. Yeah. He like uh he like my favorite Filipino wrestler. He is. You know, now that I think about that, that's that's an honest remark. He's my favorite Filipino wrestler. Yeah, because when we Besides Ryan. Without, when, <laughs> <laughs> the the uncrowned uh Filipino champ. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, because now when you uh when you actually look at the the roster of NXT, you got um you got him, you have Shotzi, you have uh Caden Carter. Caden? Yep, Caden Carter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like there's oh uh, I feel like there's one more, but I can't think of their name. I don't I don't know, man. But yeah, it, it's kind of crazy how like the the Philippines now has had an alumni of superstars with Batista and TJP, and and now there's like mm. like a bunch in uh, the current roster. So that, that's really cool to see. Yeah, you can never take that away from uh, Batista. Like he put he he's the first Filipino WWE champion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you can't take that away from him ever in life. Exactly. And uh, yeah, last but not least, we have Jordan miles and he, uh, he was a C H. I was just trying to make sure I didn't spell it the wrong way. <laughs> I was like, I know a H C. No, I liked him. Um, I, d- I looked at some of his work on an indie scene. He reminded me of, uh, he's like one of those type of like evolution kind of guys to where you see where he his influence kind of come from. He, to me, mentally is like the love child of Jade Lethal and D'Lo Brown. Mm. And like, yeah, a little bit of like Tuco Scorpio. He's like the next evolution of those. Type. Actually, no, take out D'Lo because the next evolution of D'Lo type of guys are like your Willie Max, mm-hmm. your Keith Lees, and your like uh Apollos. Cause Apollo is like size wise, like kind of like D Lo, but he's just hella lean and buff. So yeah, I would say that uh, ACH is like two cold Scorpio mixed with Yeah, gotta be a little bit of D Lo because you know like everybody who hit that split leg at Frog Splash. Yeah. Back in the that's like around like 30 or something like that D'Lo Brown yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know what's funny about that is that I'm I'm 100% convinced D'Lo Brown I'm 100% convinced D'Lo Brown stole that from Robert Thompson <laughs> I wouldn't doubt it and I I mean 100% because I I remember back in the day watching Thompson matches on uh on the local channel that we had on channel three and yeah he was for his size, like he was definitely hitting those maneuvers that we see, bro. Modern Robert Thompson is like the alpha, like <laughs> is like one of the alpha black high flying wrestler kind of power wrestlers. Because mm-hmm. I really think that like D'Lo Brown jacked the sky high, and the um 
the black dude frog splash from Robert Thompson. Yeah, because Thompson does it more in the. I'm talking about the sky high. Uh, he does it more in the technical sense of doing it, but D'Lo adds a little bit more flair to it. But it's still pretty much the same move, you know. Yeah. So yeah, those were the eight guys, and I think what was cool about kind of the same thing that we just said that it was a good good concept because you were mixing people who yeah came from indie backgrounds or were coming majority of of the guys coming from uh uh indie background and training at the pc but it was a cool idea because when they announced it is it uh eight person tournament and it was mostly yeah all these guys that were either always in the pc or just had one or two dark matches on nxt but the uh, the winner of this tournament would actually receive a title shot of their choice from the NXT roster. So I really like the idea. And I thought that's why they were going to kind of do more of a tournament series presentation. But when once I found out they were just embedding it into WWE weekly programming, I was like, oh, OK, this 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 could work out. But yeah, overall, I'll before we get into the matches, I guess my overall thoughts on the production was um since i can only really compare it to yeah like the the other classics like may young and cruiserweight that this one had more of a basic graphic layout and just visual representation of what the tournament was i did like the simplicity and i also like how they displayed the the tournament bracket because it made it seem bigger than what it was even though that there was only eight people the way that they kind of structured it 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 just made made it look more grand but yeah, we'll we'll get into the opening rounds. So the first matchup is Angel Garza going up against Joaquin Wild on the June 26th episode. Uh, these were all in 2019, by the way. Uh, so these were the opening round matchups. And yeah, I, I thought it was cool because they let Garza and Wild open up the show. And kind of like I mentioned, the tournament bracket and they also had like these custom name bar graphics that i thought kind of gave it that special uniqueness that like it was something separate it kind of reminded me of like once they started putting cruiserweight classic or i should say the cruiserweight matches on raw and smackdown where they kind of gave it a different look um but in this case they weren't like changing the rope colors or anything which uh was good but overall it still made them feel like a big deal because they had also the uh at this time, I think they had the side wall graphics as well. So you can on on each side of the um, arena, you would have a screen, uh, a picture of the the competitors. So you had one. Mm, OK. Yeah. So I, I really liked it. It was it was very subtle. But uh, when you saw them wrestle, you would catch it from time to time in the background. And I thought it was a, a cool visual. Mm, OK. You know, fun fact, I had this match as one of my top matches for last year, too. Oh, so. nice. Yeah, I actually really like this match a lot because I actually I at the going into it, I was already a um a wild fan of wild. <laughs> yeah, a wild fan. <laughs> so going into that, like that was already cool because I wanted to see him do well. But then by the end of the match, just after seeing them just work, it didn't matter who was going to win going into the closing sequences of that match. because It was like, I don't even care at this point. These guys are wrestling their heart out. They had a really good match, and yeah, I, I really like this overall story that they told because uh, kind of similar to when they made their entrance, they just kind of did the the split screen where it's uh where they showed the entrance, but they still had like a, a split screen of 
their character profile and then it would it would zoom in full screen once they um were closing in the last 30 seconds of each one and yeah just hearing like wild story just hearing his story of uh getting a second colon related health scare is it, it made you get involved in like in in my case like i had been familiar with his work but i didn't know his whole story so it was a, a really cool addition to kind of like get his backstory and automatically of course like you want to see him as the baby face and kind of see garza as the heel but mm-hmm. the more that they had the match the more that they had the match then kind of like what you said that you didn't really care who won because they just were giving you a, a really good contest you know mm-hmm. yeah it didn't, it didn't matter at all it's like wow this match is impressive i like it <laughs> it was it was a good one man i really appreciate that that good match you know i uh, i think uh i think wild kind of looked like a younger version of joe coy too oh yeah he does he do yeah <laughs> i can see it. it it's it could be uh mm-hmm. like if he wanted to play him in a movie that would that would in, in, in the bio <laughs> yeah just get wild to, to come yeah. in there. <laughs> <laughs> wow and what a transition though like to go from like pro wrestler like that into just like just straight up acting because he he's not a big dude mm-hmm. it would be like easily believable you're like hmm, eh, okay all right what's his yeah. real name michael michael paris yeah yeah come on man yeah he's 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 uh he's a shoo-in <laughs> Yeah, no, it was a, it was a great uh, back to back affair. I liked um, they had some good chain wrestling s- segments that I thought were really good. Uh, Ion uses this like kind of it's almost like a eat defeat, but he does it with with uh, two feet. Mm, yeah. So like, you know, they'll be laying on their back. He'll grab their hands and he'll roll over to his back and kind of like kick them in their face. That's actually a really cool move. I, I, I like that. That's dope. Yeah. They And then. um. Ah oh, man, they you know they just and <laughs> so the the thing that really killed me the most was when uh, Garza ripped his pants off and I was like, whoa, yeah, <laughs> that's a thing, and then I couldn't help but like by at that point to pop for it because I was already so invested in the match and I was wondering why his pants looked so weird. I was like, man, what's up with his full pants? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it only made more sense. I kind of like what we were saying earlier that I wasn't aware of his his style or his uh his gimmick and kind of the same thing when he came out he got a decent pop but by the by the time he had ripped the pants halfway through the match then like he really got over with the with the crowd at that point you know oh yeah mm-hmm. yeah i mean he's dope dude yeah uh but yeah then at the end what you might call it i think it's the the wing clipper is is what he yep yeah uh garza calls it so he hits that and uh gets the victory so he is the first person to move on into the semifinals, and after that we had the following week on the July third episode we had uh, Swerve going up against Cameron Grimes, and to me this one yeah I would say it was one of my favorite matches throughout the entire tournament, uh, just because both guys had like kind of matched up obviously uh, you know figure wise Swerve Swerve is taller i believe like he's lankier for sure but i don't know if he's like taller taller uh he's yeah he's a little bit taller um i think i want to say er grimes might be a little bit heavier yeah because he's a little bit stockier yeah so like they match up perfect like they match up just as well as uh 
the last two Garza mm-hmm. and Wild, like they were kind of almost mirror match kind of framed guys, and these guys are very similar in frame. And this was a hell of a match too, man. Like it was so high octane, and it, it was really good to see the follow up to the first match be just as, if not better, yeah, than the one before it. So it was like a, for me, it looked like a clear show of like one upsmanship like an attempt like oh, okay all right look we're going up we're going to try to steal the show too when we wrestle yeah 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 and i think that's that's probably the the best thing about this whole tournament is that yeah you can tell that these guys were hungry to go prove themselves because i would imagine just i mean you, you got to think about the depth of the roster on nxt in general at this time last year where uh i mean nxt is always stacked but at this point uh nxt was just as stacked as ever so you probably had all eight of these guys in the pc just like learning everything and just digesting everything and at the same time wanting to actually prove themselves after seeing what these uh the current roster was producing that they definitely had the motivation to prove themselves in this tournament and matches like the first two that we saw definitely definitely proved that you know exactly no i definitely agree with that yeah so my favorite move of uh, Swerve is that rolling uh, flatliner just because it's that's his whole gimmick is that he's just so smooth with everything that when he did that, I was just like really blown away by uh, but it, it's so simple, but it's it's just like, I don't know. I, I, I That's that, the best dude. That's the best stuff. When guys can make simple moves look great. That's when you're you know, you're like just smooth as hell. You know who else is dope at that? Randy Orton. Mm. Randy Orton, mm-hmm. he just does the simplest stuff and it just looks good. Yeah. At the uh at the closing segments of this match, uh yeah, Grimes kind of just hits his uh double jumping stomp to get the victory and moves on into the semifinals. What I like about this tournament is yeah, the same thing that this match uh I can't remember if it was the third the second or third match on this episode of NXT, but the way that they kind of balanced the the matches uh, throughout the show kind of gave it, they still gave them the same level of importance when it actually got to them because I forgot to mention in the first matchup where I really like how the commentators put over the tournament because it, it felt very similar to to when um, when Daniel Bryan called the first, uh, well, the first, the only cruiserweight classic that uh, he gave it a lot of uh, attention and really focused on that's he was doing commentary yeah. for that now wasn't he yeah it was i knew there was something there was something i was absolutely because it was like him and morrow wasn't it yeah i think it was morrow and, and brian yeah oh that's intense yeah <laughs> so what? so i think i think that's what i liked is that uh obviously the commentary team do their job really well throughout the whole the whole uh throughout the whole episode but when they get to those matches yeah they they kind of cater to that um that style of talking about it like a legit tournament so that's what i really liked about it is that no matter if it was the opening match of the episode or a match in between they always still gave it that level of respect that it was actually in a tournament style yep true that yeah i agree with that for sure the the week after that then we have uh jordan miles going up against boa on july 10th and yeah dude i as much as i had said earlier where i didn't know who boa was i thought he did a really good job in this match for for being the the guy i didn't know that much about you know you know it you can see or just 
you kind of knew where the match was going to go. And I'm really happy that they didn't just have ACH squash him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like Boa got his offense in, you know, ACH. I need to stop saying that. Um, actually, <laughs> yeah. Miles. Miles uh-huh. was doing his thing. Like you got a real good, not a full glimpse of his capabilities, but you got to see a lot of Miles in that. And it was like, okay, you like that, huh? Mm-hmm. But then you, it was like, even though. The it was like when you used to see Oscar wrestle like Eva Marie, right, right, or like Cameron. You knew who the more superior person was, but the other like for the other person to be so good, you can even have people that are not necessarily in the same caliber as a wrestler as you look good. Yeah, so that's really a thing that you could attribute to really good ring workers yeah that like you know when you get in there with somebody who may be a, a lot more green than you but you could still make them look like a million bucks you're like solid so like that match there really won me over for miles just because of the way that he like got uh you know he helped get boa over yeah even at the same time getting himself over so i thought that that was a really good look for the structure of that type of match yeah no i I thought it was uh is perfectly done. <laughs> yeah, we have the last match in the opening round, and this one happened on the July seventeenth episode, which is Dexter Loomis going up against Bronson Reed. So what's uh very unique about this matchup is we have two of the the biggest guys in the whole tournament going going up against each other. But as we mentioned uh in the beginning that this is also uh, the first, other than Garza kind of putting over his character, this is definitely where Loomis was the 100% character from the original eight, uh, where he didn't have uh, he didn't have a video package to kind of show you like who he was. It was just straight into his uh, his music, which he still has uh, right now. Actually, uh, a lot of these guys. <laughs> Knock off Stranger Steam's theme. <laughs> uh, but it, it's it's kind of cool because uh he's he's kept this theme while a lot of the guys who are still with the company they uh had generic themes for this tournament and since then have uh had new new theme songs. But I I just forgot that Loomis has had this theme for over a year now. But yeah, they they did an amazing job presenting him because uh, he went full in with his gimmick, and as opposed to having the video package, they really let the commentators uh, give you that background of what you're supposed to think about this guy. And yeah, Moro and uh, and Beth and Nigel did a really good job of selling it. Of like, wow, like when I see his eyes, I just like get like chills, and I just get like uh, I forget what they said, like frozen or something like that but they 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 did look at that you you euphoric euphoric (laughs) gaze yeah they 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 put him over like just as well if not better than what a video package could have done and i think that's what uh speaks volumes when you have like a a commentary team that that really cares you know we need to just go ahead and get dexter loomis in there with uh bray wyatt like before they do something stupid with Loomis. Let's go ahead and realize it. Like, ooh, give it to him. Mm-hmm. He could draw like characters of Bray Wyatt. Yeah. He could draw characters of the Fiend. 
and then he could just not say nothing and then just show up in the ring one time with the fiend just face to face like yeah <laughs> it it's kind of like that <laughs> it's kind of like that magic moment when they they pulled the trigger at the right time with the wyatts versus the shield it's it's got to be like that perfect time where you don't wait for it to like happen three or four years down the line you should just cap- mm-hmm. capitalize it when it's hot you know exactly we just need to see him on the main roster just a couple of times just being weird drawing characters yeah and then one time he needs to just draw one of the fiend and then the next thing we need to do is just see him in the ring yeah <laughs> like together just face to face weird and yeah. it's just like uh, okay yeah i mean if perfect if we get a uh a rumble moment at least between them it'd be really really cool <laughs> at the very least that's what they could do just give them a, a, a rumble moment to just stand there and look at each other weird yeah, like, yeah. Oh. <laughs> i i would be down <laughs> but mm-hmm. but yeah i think this matchup uh unless you had any other notes i i think this one was more of the kind of slower pace but of, of course like when you have these two um bigger dudes they they were kind of telling more of the the big man story as opposed to kind of the high flying and hybrid mix that the other matches had but i still thought it was a good match and both guys were really solid and yeah that that top rope splash by uh by reed at the end was really impressive especially during the replay because it just shows like the height that he got in like the the actual impact of the Mm -hmm. of the splash was was really amazing I really like the choices that they made for the winners. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, like having Garza win that first one made made sense. Like you already like by giving Wild his backstory the way you do. He didn't really need to go any further than that because that's yeah. where you kind of like suckered, not suckered, but suckered people in for that. Yeah, move on to the next one. Like between Swerve and Grimes, Swerve has more personality than Grimes. Mm-hmm. Just and you could just see that if like you were just to, to have them cut promos, yeah. So like just by having Grimes, when you know that Swerve is gonna be able to get himself over, so you have to give Grimes like wins to kind of make him look good. And then with uh, Bowen ACH, that was the right choice there mm-hmm. for sure because I mean going with Miles as the person that you want to be successful. And then making sure that Boa doesn't look weak was a good look because it's like, all right, look, he's green. He didn't look weak. He's got something to build off of. And then, you you know, you transition over into the uh, to the thick boy (laughs) and um, Loomis. That was a good change of pace kind of match to where, like, you're not so on the edge of your seat. Yeah. But to where you could just kind of sit there and absorb a different style of like just kind of big boy American pro wrestling. Yeah. Or like, yeah, yeah. And it like that kind of like some of those stiff shots, like uh, from, from Reed. Mm-hmm. So like, that was a good styles clash mix up. And then like just off Loomis being weird alone, you knew he was going to get over with more exposure. So you had to go with Reed to get that win to kind of like boost him up a little bit more. No, I, I agree with, with everything because yeah the there's so many different directions you can go even with eight people as far as booking wise but exactly all the points that you made it it really put everybody in in a good spot afterwards and then i i can't even uh 
I'm trying to remember, but I, I think even for the, the people who were eliminated in the first round, they were already back on TV the following weeks and exactly. they were already competing. Yeah, yeah. So they, they really did a good job uh, booking wise. So that leads us to our semifinals. So that, of course, keeps happening in the weeks to come, where on July 24th, we had our first semifinal with Garza going up against Miles. And yeah, they um, they also kick off the show. And what was interesting about this one is that now that we've gotten to know everybody, they yeah, they don't show any video packages anymore. So but what they do is going back to the commentary team that they they do a really good job during all of their entrances to kind of tell that story in case, you know, if you have some viewers who are just tuning in or didn't get to see the the first few opening round matches that they the commentators did a really good job of giving you kind of a audio recap of like how they performed and what they're uh they're looking for in order to to win in their 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 upcoming match so i thought i thought that presentation was done really well by um by the commentary team they um it was it was kind of crazy because kind of what we said earlier that during uh garza's first entrance he got a pretty good pop but by the time now that he has his literally only his second match on nxt the crowd explode for him because they're already super invested into his uh his persona and his game andrew garza is the man bro yeah and he's so nonchalant about it too i love it Mm -hmm. yeah he's uh he's definitely come a long way and we'll we'll definitely recap all that uh at the end of the the episode but yeah just instantly and like yeah uh beth <laughs> beth had me laughing here because she also put him over and saying like oh yeah like uh i i get so uh red around him and and stuff like that like blushing and all these things so uh beth phoenix did a really good job of putting over his uh ladies man gimmick at the same mm-hmm. time during Oozing uh, with machismo <laughs> like this is pre-edge return so uh edge uh had to watch out <laughs> it's all good man andrew garza is like the 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 culmination of all popular like latino based wwe stars mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah it's like you got to include razor ramon in there even though scott hall white <laughs> i know <laughs> and faking a cu- cuban uh gimmick yeah, of all things. hey he had me fooled back in the day i didn't know who like the starship coyote was like, <laughs> i only knew all i knew was razor ramon i was like hey man that dude's cuban as hell <laughs> yeah I bought it. <laughs> Hell yeah. I refused to, to believe that his real name was Scott Hall. Yeah. I was like, what? <laughs> I mean, like, that, that better, I don't know what Scott is in Spanish, but that that ain't it, man. <laughs> That's not it. I don't know any halls either. So. <laughs> you know? Any Latin halls. So we'll, nah, we'll. <laughs> man. Uh, but yeah. And me fooled. <laughs> you can probably speak more on the, uh, the, the wrestling part but the the standouts to me were definitely the dropkick springboard reversal that uh that garza had done it just visually it looked amazing because of the camera angle and the the height Mm -hmm. that height that uh that they got on it and same thing with the the victory roll at the end where um miles just kind of picks him up into a german suplex but bridges the the pin uh mm-hmm. that that caught me off guard because yeah i thought he was going to try to hit another 450 for the victory but 
just that uh, bridge pin alone looked really, really, really good. That mm-hmm. um, he had could, to use other uh, what was it like other tools in the wheelhouse? Yeah, <laughs> to come out on top against Angel Garza in that highly contested affair. <laughs> you sound like a a natural moral right there. <laughs> hey, you know, man, like that guy. If you just sit there and don't even really watch what what's happening and just listen to what he's saying he says the greatest stuff oh yeah 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 he would have been uh a shoe-in for back in the back in the days when people would still listen to rate or you know radio sports where you just have mm-hmm. to like listen to it audio that uh Mauro could easily do that with wrestling where yeah you just li- literally listen to him like a podcast and just you would get a visual representation of what actually happened I thought this was also a really good match and kind of uh, the same point that you just made with the booking that kind of the same thing that by that point, hey, Garza, Garza was already over alone. Let you know that he didn't need to win this tournament. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wrestling is uh, when you when you really look at it and kind of see it from a booking perspective, it's it's definitely a beast. And I know people give a lot of slack to the writing team, especially like the main roster writing team. But uh when you consider all the factors on top of uh trying to just book your show when it comes to sponsorships and uh injuries and all these other wild factors that bottom line when you book a good show and like in this case like a good tournament you can definitely tell that someone is really going out their way to to pick the right the right uh yeah the right choices you know I, I, you know, I'm hoping that the way that they book this was like kind of with the flow of what they were doing because mm-hmm. they could have easily dropped the ball here by going with the pop for Garza as indication that he needed to win. Yeah. So that was a really good call. Like, all right, you know, he's hot. He'll be able to flourish without winning this. He doesn't need this. He doesn't need this title shot that he's going to lose mm-hmm. just yet. Yeah. So that's 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 like one thing to really like look at it, too, because it was like, all right, I don't really think you're going to win just yet. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a good it's it's a it's it's really good writing. And so, like I said, like I hope they're just kind of doing it from an agile standpoint to where they're going with what's hot kind of like the the right thing on the fly as opposed to thinking like okay from the jump we're gonna go with this person to win no matter what yeah or yeah, if yeah. it was like you know from the beginning we're gonna go with this person and then kind of make changing as changes as you go along that's dope yeah definitely when we end up covering the cruiserweight classic and we'll kind of gauge that as well since that one was a massive tournament that um easily you could have gone in a, a many directions with that but in this case with with just eight people yeah i I think you're right that hopefully they they kind of just um kind of went with a mix of an idea of what what they were looking for but at the same time also adjusting based on uh the performance of these these athletes Mm -hmm. uh so then we have the the last the second and last semifinals with Bronson Reed going up against Cameron Grimes and yeah dude i i think either i'm just impressed by oh actually sorry before that uh i want i wanted to kind of just do a quick shout out to Shane Thorne because they um 
I forgot about this whole gimmick is because, you know, since they haven't really used them as much, but I thought it was interesting because kind of like what I just said in the match before that they had done it where some of the people who already lost were being thrown into storylines. And I could have sworn yeah. that they've done it with Swerve and Shane Thorne after this, where after that match had ended, Shane Thorne went to the commentary team kind of yelling at them saying like, Oh, why are we having eight new guys debut when you should, you should be focusing on me. <laughs> uh, so I think throughout that, then once the tournament was over or getting close to the end, Shane Thorne was actually wrestling all those uh, guys that were participating in the tournament other than the heels, obviously. But um, mm-hmm. I, I thought that was a really good way of uh, letting the tournament still be like a natural tournament without having too many gimmicks, but you did the gimmicks after the matches. And I, I thought that was a really good uh, booking and uh, production idea from uh from the team so just wanted to it's give a like, really good continuation yeah no I, I totally agree with all of that for sure yeah so i just wanted to give that uh a quick shout out before i moved on to the semi-final uh nice but yeah so with reed and um and cameron grimes i really liked how it was the perfect mashup where you had of course the bigger reed and the more agile uh grimes but the way that they did like these um simple moves kind of like with grimes's drop kicks they they're so smooth they reminded me of uh paul london's like the way that he's Ooh. like he's very like bendy but at the same time like he has like finesse once he actually does his uh his drop kicks and then um uh, reed when he whenever he did any type of power slam on uh on his opponents that they just look like if if you get hit by this, then you're like screwed. You know, like you're you're gonna get flattened out. It, it it works in his uh, advantage because because he's heavier. Yeah. Like uh, I I could recall when when I was training, like the the coolest spot that we would run that it just looked good was uh like Papo Esco hitting me with the crossbody. Mm. So just like the running crossbody. So it'd be like uh we would do. Like headlock, shoot off, drop down, leapfrog. So I would leapfrog over him, and then he would come off the ropes and then hit me with a like a flying crossbody. And mm-hmm. then uh, I would oversell it because I would jump into it. And then so, and then so when you take bumps and then you got somebody falling with you, it doesn't really hurt as much because there's yeah. more uh, there's more weight going down to kind of like hit the suspension. Yeah. So it's like almost at the same time, like jumping high, the higher you jump, the more suspension you elicit. So it doesn't hurt as much either. But mm-hmm. it's like, but then once you get to a certain height, it's like, it, it's, it don't matter. It's too high. It hurts. So it's like, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So just simple stuff like that can go a long way. So you could have like, you know, Bronson Reed hit like flying cross bites and stuff like that. And it's, not the most impactful move when you see little people do it on big guys, but when you do it the other way around, it's the most like amazing thing looking in the world. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. The closing sequence of it really gave me an appreciation of how to, to book like a, a big guy versus like smaller dude. I mean, I'm not saying that Grimes is a smaller dude, but just like s- smaller than, than Reed. Yeah. But, no, uh, he's, he's, yeah, he's much smaller than uh, Reed. Yeah. But to kind of use, that um that to 
to to kind of tell the story that they were trying to use where at the end reed was trying to use his momentum by using the ropes to to build that um that pace to like kind of squash him by mm-hmm. leaving uh grimes leaning on the ropes so it was kind of he's going to kind of like uh rebound him off to kind of like do a move but then uh because grimes kind of anticipated it then he let uh reed bounce off the ropes and by the time he had turned around and that's where he countered him and just hit him with the quickness with his uh double stomp finisher and visually it's probably one of the best finishes i've ever seen um in any match because yeah like it's it's one of those things where i didn't see it coming and i i was just like amazed of like how they use like the perfect blend of like okay the big guy's gonna like hit his move and that's it but then like the the smaller quicker guy just bam rapidly just hits like the the move he didn't see coming and and that cost him the match pretty much you know that's probably one of my favorite finishers right now too that mm-hmm. uh, that double that like running double foot stomp yeah because it just makes sense yeah it's like oh man you know what i could really just picture being out conscious for three seconds after that <laughs> yeah like, it, it just makes sense like oh no like because you know it's not that he's just jumping and landing on you. There's a, a full extension that makes it look good. Like you're literally getting shoved into the ground as hard as you can. So yeah. it's just, and if you bump, if you bump it right, if you get somebody who's going to bump good for you, it looks priceless every time. Yeah, no, I agree. So yeah, I, I thought that was uh probably my second favorite match out of the whole tournament, just because they, they told a really good story and yeah, the, the, the perfect blend in my book of the, bigger and smaller guy hybrid match mm-hmm. the what they call that the david versus goliath <laughs> yes that's uh every time the, that's the that's the textbook version of uh how to pull off a match like that so yeah so that was the last of the semis going into the finals where we're gonna have cameron grimes going up against jordan miles so what i thought was interesting about this and i totally forgot about this part was after this match, Nigel McGuinness says that the finals would actually happen at the Sashkawa Bank Arena, the home of NXT TakeOver Toronto at that time. But he actually never mentions that the match is act- if the match is actually going to happen at TakeOver. So I remember watching TakeOver and was like wondering, like, where is where's the match? And I was like, oh, I, I guess they're just filming it there, but they're going to just show it on TV. I had mm-hmm. thought I had thought that they were going to like have the finals at the um at the takeover special because now i bet you nigel did too (laughs) (laughs) yeah and what they fed him was just incorrect information because they changed it probably the day of once they looked at the card like oh man hey you know what (laughs) i think this one needs to go down to like the uh, pre-show kind of thing thought they were going to have it at takeover since they had building up they had been building up the breakout tournament for uh weekly television uh mm-hmm. but yeah they actually ended up filming it on that episode where it aired on august 14th and it was actually technically the set the the second dark match because the first dark match was brizango going up against the forgotten sons and mm-hmm. uh in a way i guess it's it's kind of mixed because obviously it was a dark match so by this point the arena was not filled up a hundred percent um to kind of have the crowd at full capacity so one can make the argument that maybe um it was a smart idea to not have this on the card because the crowd wasn't into it as much when they were making their entrances but 
the other side of the coin could be that yeah like this is was a dark match so um the audience isn't going to invest in it yet because people are still coming in people are going to concessions and uh not really in the mindset to watch the the show yet so it's hard to it's hard to kind of say like if this match would have fit on the actual main card or not but um from what from what we saw i thought yeah they delivered pretty much a takeover caliber match you know oh dude for sure that was a um takeover caliber match and i i agree with the placing of it on kind of the dark match mm-hmm. so you kind of give it for them it's the biggest kind of showcase of their careers yeah so you you would hate to, i don't i don't want to like you know kind of you know say that they might have gotten like deer in the headlights or nothing like that but mm-hmm. it serves them better to be able to get out there and get a lay of the land and put on the best show possible to get the crowd hot for takeover mm-hmm. and so i thought that that was a good spot so, so kind of like assuming that they may have been like the last match before the show started yeah, that would have been a perfect placement for it. But if it was like the first match of the, the evening, that's jacked up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they they did the right thing by having that tag match open up the the dark match um, series of matches. And yeah, yeah, like it was it was definitely that when Miles and um, Grimes were making their entrance. Yeah, the crowd was definitely kind of mild and wasn't too either either they yeah just weren't familiar with them or they just um weren't in the mindset yet to to kick off the show but by the time that they started getting uh really into the match where miles started hitting his trademark uh somersaults that's where like the crowd Mm -hmm. finally they finally woke up and when they started hitting uh more of their moves then uh i believe it was the diving crossbody by miles that uh that's what the crowd finally popped huge and started mm-hmm. getting getting into the match. Yeah, it was dope to um so for them it it kind of works in your benefit too cuz you come out and then the crowd's not that hype and then like for them I'm sure they know what they had in store so it's like oh man you guys are going to love it. Just wait. Just wait. So yeah. it was I thought that it worked out perfect. Yeah, and they they got a uh, this is awesome chance after they had run, ran back that um what would you call that spot when they both go for like the crossbody, but they kind of spin midair. Uh, That's like, um, cause it's a counter. Yeah. It's, uh, when you, it, it, it goes crazy. Cause sometimes they just don't go in the right direction <laughs> or whatever, yeah. but it should essentially be like somebody trying to hit Grimes with a crossbody and he backflips out of it. Yeah. Oh, okay. But a lot of the times it just like bodies collide and they turn everywhere, but yeah. it's essentially supposed to be like a backflip counter. So, yeah, that that's what it's supposed to be. So it's almost like if you were to do like a fallaway slam and do a backflip with. Mm, okay, I okay, I, I get it now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and that's where where that should be in in regards to that. But it's like you know, it looks really cool. It looks even better when they just kind of like flip over and sometimes like Grimes is unscathed. Is whoa, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that just speaks of how talented both guys are where they mm-hmm. did it re- really smooth and super quick that uh, it made it seem like the easiest thing to do and it's probably the craziest thing to do. <laughs> you know, like it I I'm imagining how to do it and it was something that I wanted to do before I stopped training cuz I imagined it and I was like, "You know what? In theory, it shouldn't be that hard to do." 
Because if the mm-hmm. guy's jumping at you at the right angle, like I know that like probably when guys do this, they don't think about it as angular as this. But if you hit him at the right angle, say like if Miles hits his cross body at like 45 degrees, right? Mm-hmm. And then Grimes then has to meet him in the same spot. So they're like this. And then essentially like by him just tucking his legs, the weight of, of miles is going to take him over. Mm. So it's more of like, if you guys just jump up there and trust each other, yeah, it's going to work like, like clockwork, but it's, only if you don't trust each other, yeah, <laughs> it's gonna be like, oh no, what did you do? I got scared, bro. Yeah, but no, like the the physics of it makes perfect good sense in my head. I'm like, man, I, I love when I see things like that go successful. It's like, oh man, that could have easily went wrong. Yeah, it's just you have to fully commit to it, or else it's not gonna work. <laughs> yeah, like if you anything, dude. It's like when uh, like when John Morrison does like the the standing Spanish fly, like yeah, yeah, yeah. In all honesty, it's not that hard for him because the guy doing the front flip is essentially taking them over. Yeah, it's all on just like going with the ride and trusting it. Yeah, no, I I totally agree. Miles, yeah, delivers his uh, finisher, the four fifty splash to. To get the victory, but yeah, at, at that point they had just kind of came off like a roller coaster ride where yeah, they had won over the fans, and I think that's probably the biggest accomplishment you can do as a as a pro wrestler is that mm-hmm. you walk into an arena or I mean like any any venue where it's kind of close to dead silent, if not like you know just crickets, and then fully just win over the the crowd by that point. Um, where they must have felt like they just hit a home run at that point because they just won over the whole crowd at that point. Um, and then at the end, I, I at first I was going to say like, oh man, like I wish they kind of told more of a, of a story to the crowd because obviously we're all listening to it in uh, commentary. So it makes sense. Like we know what they're going to win and everything, but I was really happy that Regal came out at the end and, gave miles his uh his contract the people who were there live got to like understand like oh okay he was actually fighting for something it wasn't just like a random match so i i thought that was really yeah yeah. like in the event that nobody was really following what the stakes were yeah exactly uh so i thought overall i think they they did a good job that night to kind of explain like what the breakout tournament was and what was at stake for the finals and yeah it was kind of rewarding for us to have been watching it for the last few weeks getting to that uh that final moment but yeah that pretty much does it for the tournament itself i wanted to kind of go into our aftermath overall like what i mentioned earlier i i think the tournament was really amazing and um i i think from what we had said i think they definitely picked the right winner at at the time of at the time of recording at that point, um, I think they picked the right winner because of everything that we had mentioned earlier with, with the booking booking of the show. But in, in your book, do you think that um, they had at the, at that time, do you think they had picked the right winner with the intention having have been go with the NXT title? Yes. If the intention that the the winner was going to go for the um, North American title, I would have much rather see Grimes win that. Yeah, yeah. Because I feel like more you're you're more likely to get a face to hold 
that um that North American title that would match up with Grimes mm-hmm. to make more sense, as opposed to having like Miles go straight to the top to you know face Adam Cole, which makes zero sense. <laughs> yeah, I mean I get it. It's tight. It makes sense to you know if you're gonna get a shot, why does why not shoot for the stars? Mm-hmm. But just like you know, on a I guess on a kayfabe standpoint, like yeah. <laughs> It's yeah. like, bro, why would you No, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And I, I think that's the interesting part because um yeah, the stipulation was that the winner got to pick their champion, their NXT champion of choice. So yeah, um Miles ended up challenging Adam Cole and they fought for the NXT title on the September 4th episode. Adam Cole ended up retaining, but I think that's kind of like what you had just said, where I I thought it was interesting where if he had picked any of the other champions at the time um it would have been yeah the velveteen dream as the north american champion and it would have been the street profits as the tag team champions the cruiserweight title wasn't rechristened as the nxt cru- cruiserweight title yet it was a uh, literally a month later in october with the, where they did it but uh at the time he had between Cole, the Street Profits, or Velveteen Dream. So, yeah, it would have been kind of interesting if he had picked another um, another path where he could have picked like a person he competed with in the breakout tournament for the tag titles. You know, like they could have they could have bled that a little bit longer. Like, you know what? I don't even need to have my title shot the next week. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna sit on it for a little while. Like, let us get to know who he is before you go and test nuts like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, we still don't really know who he is. Like, to me, you're just black Kushida. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, black athletic Kushida, because you dress kind of similar when you come to the ring. And I don't even think that they're supposed to be the same guy. They just look the same to me. What's, what was funny is that when I was watching the uh, the matches, this is the same time frame when they were uh, promoting uh, Kushida's debut by showing him, like, with the contract signing with Triple H and everything. So it's literally where Kushida has been, yeah, kind of been in the same spot for about a year now. And I think this is kind of like the perfect transition where uh, now that we look at where everybody is as a, as of uh, the time of our recording, it's kind of interesting where everybody kind of landed uh, from the eight competitors where we had Angel Garza probably you can make the argument probably the most successful from the original eight because he actually ended up be- beating Leo Rush for the cruiserweight title back in December of 2019. And he's currently hanging out with uh, Selena Vega and uh, Andrade. I don't even know if they have a team stable name. I don't think they Those do. Those are right? just uh, Selena's associates. Uh, okay. So, yeah. <laughs> that's it. So, that's it. <laughs> So yeah, one one can make the argument that he probably came out the most successful from everybody because yeah, he was able to capture a title literally just a few months later. Then we have Boa, which yeah, kind of the same thing. He he kind of got kind of stuck in the same position that he started with, where he did have a couple more matches after the breakout tournament, but um, he may have he may have had some victories here and there with maybe some of the lower tier guys. But um, from what I remember, yeah, he definitely started having a couple more losses to um, to people like Bronson Reed and uh, what's his face, uh, Damian Priest, and and even kind of put over K- 
Killian Dane when he was coming back. So he was kind of more fed to the wolves. But uh, I mean, it kind of makes sense. He was probably the most green from the eight guys. But um, unfortunately, he hasn't really bounced back. And I think I've I've even seen him more in the um, in the audience lately with the mm-hmm. with, with the, the PC people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I hope he I hope he yeah, he polishes up in the um in the next couple of months and years and uh gets more of a uh, spotlight in the at least that fool should have got kidnapped by some luchadors. I know. <laughs> well, well, we're we're almost there. Well, we'll get we'll, we'll get to that guy in a second. <laughs> but uh, that's all I got to say about Boa. <laughs> but then we get to our uh, now resident thick boy. So yeah, Bronson Reed has definitely come into his own where he's developed like a, a gimmick now and like uh, a trademark of names. And yeah, I I think yeah. he's. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, I think Reed just needs more, more time to, I don't know, like talk or something because he's, he's getting over, but I think there's just like, maybe he's just missing that like signature match right now. Yeah. 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 Cause he's almost just right over the hump with what he's doing. And I think he just needs that signature match where you think like, you know what? This dude was dope when I seen him wrestle X. Yeah. I think that's his missing link right now. Either he needs to be in a stable with somebody or like you know just he needs that signature match win mm-hmm. cuz i can't think of like no like my favorite bronson reed match right now yeah no i you make a really good point where if it wasn't for me revisiting these matches for the breakout tournament um i would say like those were probably my favorite matches of his but after that like yeah you're right i i can't really think of one that just jumps at me as far as uh, a post breakout tournament match that made him really stand out um but i i will say he's definitely found his his way into the mid card level of nxt now where he is facing off against like top uh top guys and also people in the same mid card range and like yeah he's kind of proving himself but i think i think you're right where he just needs he kind of needs like his keith lee moment of having like that that round of matches with a uh dominic uh dijakovic to to kind of stand out then we have uh cameron grimes and the reason why i say that uh the argument can be made that garza was probably the most successful one is because cameron grimes was probably now shooted up to the current nxt roster from from the guys that are there as the top guy um because he's 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 the one who it's kind of like what bronson reed needs is that he's had some standout highlight mm-hmm. matches yep. and he's picked up a solid number of wins against top guys like Finn Balor and uh and Keith Lee and a couple of the other guys. He's gonna be this generation's Dolph Ziggler. Mm, that's a good comparison. He's gonna get out there and he's gonna make people look like a million bucks, and then you're gonna forget how good he is between the ropes. Because Grimes makes people look, he had Keith Lee looking like a million bucks. Yeah. And yeah, that yeah. triple threat with like him, Priest, and. Oh, uh, yeah. He had them looking like great. He's he's a great worker. He's not tiny, but he's not big. Yeah. Like he's stocky. So it's like you could believe that he's, and he's strong as hell. Like he'd be out there German suplexing everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, he- I, I got Grimes in my mind as being kind of, if he sticks around for a while. And kind of gets more character. I feel like he'll be this generation's 
Dolph Ziggler to where I feel like Austin Theory is this generation's Randy Orton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see that. And yeah, I, mm-hmm. I can definitely see it where Grimes is definitely up there for uh, North American title ship. Yeah, I'd say Grimes is the most successful one that stayed on NXT. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So whereas Garza got kind of rushed up to the main roster and he's he's doing well up there, too. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like uh, like Grimes is really still finding himself in, in NXT and you can see that he's getting himself over in the process. Yeah, totally agree. And then we have uh, our other scary dude, <laughs> Dexter Loomis, which uh, <laughs> as of this recording, he still has the same theme song <laughs> and he's beefing with our boy Roddy. And yeah, I, I think he's he's also another example of a guy who um, who they've built up really well, but they also kind of took their time because, yeah, he didn't reappear on NXT TV after the breakout tournament, he, I don't know if he got an injury or if he or if they were just kind of waiting for him to 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 pop him out at the right time. Um, but he came back right at the start of the uh, I, I'm calling it the the quarantine era because he uh, he re, he re, he redebuted with uh, when it was like the no audience era. Uh, so it's kind of hard to kind of gauge it because obviously he's only performed in front of people during the breakout tournament, but I would imagine that he still would have been like really over with the crowd when, uh, when he kind of redebuted back onto the roster. Um, and yeah, like they're kind of, they kind of shot him right into the mid card level now with, um, with people like Roddy and, and, um, Damian priest and everybody. So I concur. Yeah. So I, I definitely see big things happening for him. Uh, in the months to come. Loomis doesn't need a title either. No, 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 exactly. Like at all. One bit. He don't need to be chasing titles. He need to just be creeping people out. Yeah. He kind of needs to be what the fiend was supposed to be, where he's supposed to just dominate, but not really care about any championships, but mm-hmm. they kind of rushed him into that picture. So hopefully they can do it right with Loomis and just kind of have him be that guy, you know? Yeah, that'd be dope. Uh, and then, yeah, your uh, your kidnap V, <laughs> the kidnapper or kidnappy. Yeah, the kid, my my kidnappy, uh, <laughs> Joaquin Wild, who ended up getting kidnapped by mass luchadors and converted. So wait, all right, hold on. Can we, exactly. can we talk right. about this? Yeah, so, I, yeah. <laughs> uh, so there's three of them, right? Yes. And who got kidnapped first? <laughs> I believe it was uh, Mendoza, Mendoza right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. And he got kidnapped by two guys. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now, flash forward, Wild <laughs> gets kidnapped by two guys. Presumably, one of the original guys and Mendoza or two, just the two guys. Yeah. We see a stable show up with three guys. <laughs> Yeah. Somebody's missing. Yeah. Dude, I was I'm glad that you brought this up because yeah, those were my exact thoughts of like, all right, who was who were the dudes who first kidnapped Mendoza? Because I I can't remember the exact details. I don't know if uh Santos was there when Raul first got kidnapped, but let's say he, he wasn't. wasn't even there yet. He didn't even get signed yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So let so let's say Santos wasn't there. So at least it could have been Santos that was one of the original kidnappers. 
But who exactly. still was the second guy? Yeah, who still was the second Are guy? Are we supposed <laughs> to just pretend like the whole thing was a facade and that it was Wild and Santos that kidnapped Mendoza and then, <laughs> and then, and then Santos and Mendoza kidnapped Wild, but nobody was really getting kidnapped the whole time because they yeah. were all in cahoots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what we're supposed to believe. Yeah. But it makes too much sense. Yeah. Too much sense. We're, we're definitely going to, we're going to referee call it and we're going to review the tapes after this for sure. Just to kind of. Definitely. Con- we need to run that one back for sure. Cause I'm pretty sure one of those people might have been a cure to Zawa. <laughs> before, before <laughs> decision rate. At this rate, it was Akira Tozawa and his ninjas. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> so, yeah, now uh, they're the stable known as uh, El Legato de Fantasma, which translates to the, the legacy Fantastic of the Cat? ghost. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, that would have been really cool, too. <laughs> uh, but it is translated to the legacy of the, go- the ghost. And I think that's pretty... That's a pretty sick name in Spanish and in English. So uh, I think they, they picked a pretty cool name overall. Yeah, I, I can dig that. Because what, uh, what, he was Hijo de Fantasma with his like, son of the ghost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a pretty cool name. That's tight, bro. That's, <laughs> that's tight. <laughs> but I mean, I'm not going to lie. He's probably the best Escobar in WWE history now because we could only compare him to Eric Escobar. And he definitely didn't do anything <laughs> wait a minute wait a minute oh god yeah that guy didn't do anything <laughs> <laughs> exactly so i'm i'm already calling it just a few weeks into his career as uh santos escobar that by default he is the best escobar in wwe history books <laughs> and last but not least of course we have the winner of the breakout tournament in Jordan Miles, uh, aka now rebranded himself back to uh, ACH. ACH. <laughs> he is the only one. Which the irony is, he's the winner, but he's the only one that is not currently with the roster anymore. Mm-hmm. So this is why um, one of the questions that we had is, do you think they'll they'll bring back the breakout tournament in general? Just because, yeah, they haven't obviously. I'm pretty sure they postponed it as well because of everything that's going on. But at the same time, they haven't really promoted it afterwards. And so it's kind of hard to tell if it's a, a one and done. And that's why we're kind of covering it in this uh, in this special. But I personally think it would be cool if they did bring it back once things do get better. Because for two reasons, you have it where now you have, a, of course, a new crop of uh PC talent that wants to do the exact same thing of kind of break out and it would uh, kind of provide kind of kind of similar to what the main roster has with money in the bank uh, where you have like these guys kind of break in and it's kind of like a money in the back bank scenario where they can kind of choose which champion they want to face. So I think it would be a cool idea if they were to bring it back or either modify it where it's probably talent that hasn't gotten like a title shot opportunity. I don't know. Like I think the, I don't know. I think the, the idea is really cool. And based on like what they did, I thought it was really cool, but yeah, it's hard to tell if 
WWE will actually reflect back and bring back this tournament, you know? It's hard for me to call as well. I feel like with the um with the new acquisition of Evolve, mm-hmm. that will kind of change maybe the landscape of NXT as a whole. Yeah. Because now, like if you have Evolve, you really like NXT could really more be not necessarily a developmental type of deal because you could have a lot of those people who need more exposure or whatever wrestle and evolve however you want to integrate them. Yeah. So it, it'll be interesting to see how NXT morphs or doesn't morph and, and kind of see how evolved talent gets integrated or if they're just more just going to be like, because I'm saying, you know, if you when they come up on organizations like that, they usually either they usually end up being developmental, but like yeah. they have developmental unless you're just going to take everybody at Evolve and shift them over to the PC, mm-hmm. you know, like so I'm 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 pretty curious to see what happens with that because that's that's pretty big. Like Evolve is not like they have a lot of talent and they've been doing cross talent like weren't the Street Profits like Evolve Tag Champs. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Like that's dope. I think just and then you know what? You know what else is pretty funny? Because you could pretty much say that like UK wrestling is dead. Mm-hmm. So like maybe Evolve kind of like fills that void too. I think what would be kind of interesting now that you said that um, it just kind of popped in my head where I think if they were to bring back the breakout tournament, I think it would be kind of cool where based on the influx of talent yeah, that you have with Evolve, you can kind of do it where you kind of grow the tournament a bit more where say you still have it where it's the eight slots that are there but you can also you have, do evolve qualifiers you yeah, do yeah, yeah nxt qualifiers and that's dope yeah yeah PC so then, qualifiers yeah so i think it'd be kind of cool where say you have six spots that are you know filled in by nxt nxt guys but then you have those two open spots where it's uh prelim matches from people from evolve and people from the pc and then it kind of creates kind of like this really cool hybrid mesh of uh of new talent participating in in the tournament style you know um mm-hmm. but exactly. we'll see i like i said i i'm i'm hopeful that they hopefully bring it back but we'll definitely see <laughs> so yeah for me i i think from just a presentation aspect, I I thought they did for what they gave the breakout tournament. I thought they gave a good balance of production work um, for what the tournament was, since it wasn't the same scale as a May Young Classic or Cruiserweight tournament. I think they did the right amount of uh, production for this tournament, and from uh, the delivery and everyone involved from all the superstars and the commentary team, they really made it seem like a professional sport and like a professional tournament. So I think overall I, um, I put it up there as like a high caliber tournament um, like the, the previous ones that they had. So that's just my, uh, yeah. Overall thoughts. I thought it was a good tournament. I thought it did good to help establish those, those guys as new people because all mm-hmm. of them were like known talents in their respective regions but for them yeah. to kind of like join the company and get rebranded as as new titles and to essentially get them you know kind of they all got themselves over wrestling and yeah. like 
what what more can you ask for as like a professional wrestler to go into the big league where they they make all this hubbub about like you know <laughs> you have to have a character you have to do this and they went over there and like those eight guys got themselves over by wrestling like that's 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 really cool i completely agree and yeah hopefully hopefully it comes back and i hopefully I want to be in the wrong when we say that it's uh, one fall because I really hope that they actually get a uh, a kick out. <laughs> nice. And with that, I will uh, get. I think we'll get into our shoutouts. So yeah, I had a a handful of shoutouts because we haven't been able to record as uh, frequently as we used to because of everything going on. But I definitely wanted to give a a, a ton of shoutouts for our wrestling podcast family that we have on uh, social media. So first off, I wanted to shout out to WrestleBread, AKA JD. She uh, has been giving us a ton of love on her podcast as well. And I totally recommend it because uh, she has really good perspectives on the current um, wave of wrestling when it comes to NXT, WWE and AEW that uh, her perspectives are pretty dead on. And she, um, comes up with really good topics as well when uh, she reviews those uh, those brands so definitely give her uh, a follow if you're not already at wrestlebred and same thing with our boy uh, sideshow suplex he's always giving us a ton of love on social media as well by either reposting our episodes or just kind of giving us general shout outs through his social media channels and yeah we really appreciate it so definitely wanted to give the same love back uh, yeah. And then, of course, our main boys at uh, Clark Street Wrestling Podcast, always, uh, always entertaining and always the same thing, always giving a ton of love and helping us out with our um, our retweets and just sharing everything that whenever we post a new episode, we give the same love back and kind of same thing as I said with WrestleBread, they they have a, an amazing podcast and really good chemistry, and I think. If you haven't given them a listen, I would definitely go check them out. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'll I'll kind of give you the the last shout out because this is like fresh off the fresh off the the newsstand, I would say. <laughs> oh yeah, you know, man, we we fresh off the presses uh, on a lot of things actually, but we're gonna go ahead and get launched on our fitness brand. We're gonna call that East Bay Strong Style. More details coming soon. Nice. Cool. So that will do it for uh, this episode of One Fall. I think I, um, I think I'm cheating, and from the names that we were coming up with, I think I'm just gonna give a tribute shout out to my favorite, or at least one of my favorite announcers, and I'm gonna go with Lillian Garcia. So I'm just gonna go by Nando Garcia. <laughs> nice. Um, so yeah, I was I was sitting there thinking about it too. So I think I'm going to go with, so if I'm going to be a referee, I'm going to go with uh, L. Hebner. Oh, okay. <laughs> L. Hebner. Nice. That's, uh, yeah, I think that's going to be our one fall personalities moving forward. And kind of like how we normally open up with Dasha Fuentes and Caleb Braxton. I think yeah. those, those will be our, our one fall uh, mic checks. <laughs> yeah. Yep, and uh, this episode of One Fall will definitely not be a one fall because we're going to kick out and you're going to see us again. Alrighty. Thanks again for listening, everybody, and we'll see you next time.